Welcome to the Dream Big, My Friend podcast, where you will find all the inspiration you need to begin living a more intentional life today. Because no matter where you are right now in life, it's never too late to dream big, my friend. And now here's your host, Francis Vitakovic. Welcome to this episode, my friends, where I'm going to have a conversation about my childhood. And it's all about questioning today what actually makes a good parent. So I've actually written a book called When Bad Parents Equal Great Kids, The Perfect Guide for Imperfect Parents. And I think there's plenty of us that feel like we're not perfect parents. And this book was actually sparked one day when I realized that my own parents' parenting style was less than perfect. Guess what? I think that we all turned out pretty great. So here are some things that were totally normal in our childhood and in our household, the way my sisters and I grew up. And there's three of us, three of us girls. So my parents both worked super hard and usually left us kids. There were three girls to our own devices during the school holidays. The days were long, but my parents assumed that we knew how to take care of ourselves all day at home. They didn't worry about keeping us occupied with endless extracurricular activities. There were no writing classes for me, even though I dreamed of becoming a writer. There were no piano lessons for my sister who wanted to learn how to play the piano and no little athletics for my sister who just wanted to run around that track. And when we misbehaved when we were little, it was not unusual for us to get a smack. Sometimes it was a hard smack. Not saying that that was the right thing to do because it's not something that I've chosen to do with my own kids. But that was our preferred punishment when we were a kid. We are just getting a smack because we feared the alternative. My mum would make me go outside and pick a stick that she made me like go and get from a tree myself because that was what I was going to get instead of a smack if I was really naughty. And when my parents told us to do something, they made it clear that they only wanted to tell us one time. They didn't want to ask us twice. The expectation was that we would obey them immediately when we needed to do something or there would be ramifications. We were told to respect our elders and we were taught to do so without question. When they told us to go to bed, we would go to bed without complaining. We knew that some things were non-negotiable. We didn't beg, we didn't tantrum, we didn't push our boundaries or yell. And even at age 14, I still had an 8.30 p.m. curfew. Even though I was allowed to read as long as I wanted to, I still had to go to bed early. And sometimes when it came to Christmas and birthday presents, we only got one present. The spending limit was $30. And some years we had to share a present between us three girls. So we would you know, think long and hard about what we were going to spend our money on. We always opted to get a board game and we that was what we had to enjoy for the entire year. And that was how we built up our impressive board game collection. Like one year it was Monopoly, another year it was Operation. Then I remember we picked Scrabble and Cluedo and so on. And my parents really didn't care if me and my sisters were bored. We were expected to suck it up. They wanted us to go outside and play. They wanted us to ride our bikes and roller skate and read books and use our brains and imagination. The expectation was unspoken rather than forced down our throat. They didn't tell us that we had to do something. They didn't actually tell us what to do. I mean, if we wanted to spend hours of watching TV, we could. But this was before Netflix, before Foxtel, before YouTube or even VCR. I got my first VCR our family did when I was in year six. So if we wanted to watch TV all day, we could, but it was normally some torturous classic film that we could watch. Remember there was the TV was limited back then. The viewing was not that impressive for kids. You could watch a few cartoons in the morning and the afternoons after school. But other than that, you didn't really want to turn on the TV. And if we wanted to ignore our homework, my parents wouldn't have noticed or even cared. They didn't even know what homework we had on a daily basis or they didn't have any idea when any assessments were due. Honestly, it was up to us to make those things happen. 
Now, here are a few more sucky things that we had to go through, even though I wouldn't say that they're so sucky right now. We were told you get what you get and you don't get upset. Back then, children were seen but not heard. We didn't really hold any sway when it came to important family decisions. We didn't really ever expect to get our own way. My parents didn't really struggle with money. They had some money. They were like quite frugal in nature. So they had the money to spoil us, but they just opted not to. They believed that kids didn't need to be indulged with their every whim. They didn't believe that we needed countless toys and gadgets to be happy. They did not see the point in having 10 dolls when one was enough. They thought that kids would do just as well in a public school as they would in a private school. And they didn't care what the latest battle craze was, so they didn't indulge in our every whim. In fact, as soon as we were teenagers, my sister and I were encouraged to go and find part-time jobs so that we could have our own money to spend. And so that was what we did. Like at 13, I already had a part-time job. At 14, the expectation was that I would work all day on one weekend. So it was normally Saturdays and one day after school. So we would pay for our own clothes and entertainment expenses from the moment we got our own jobs. And we were encouraged to save, save lots of our money. Now, I know this might not sound the most ideal way to grow up, but were we scarred by this experience? My one word answer is no. If it comes across as if I've had this terrible childhood because my parents were quite strict, I just want to make it clear that that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, my parents were super strict and less than perfect, but my sisters and I nonetheless grew up with the most amazing family and friends. On the weekends, our home was always filled with family and friends. We would go out to dances, uh, they would host barbecues, and all the dads would have these regular card game nights while the mums chatted in the backyard while the kids played. We knew without a shadow of a doubt that all of this, the love and the laughter and the close-knit community and the great friends and the sense of security that we had, even though they were strict, was worth more than anything that we could buy in the shops. And that sometimes, indeed, the best things in life are free. And this is the irony. Even though, according to today's standards, my parents would be classified as maybe bad, and I'm going to say that in inverted commas, or subpar parents perhaps, I still actually think they produced great kids. Now, I'm not saying that my sisters and I are perfect, but we all grew up to be respectful, conscientious, and compassionate members of the society. We're the type of people that if a pregnant or elderly person gets into the bus or onto a train, we will stand up and offer our seat. I don't understand what the deal is with people who do not do that. We genuinely care about others. We volunteer our time. We're friendly and polite and always willing to lend a helping hand. We have a very strong work ethic with lots of grit and determination. That was something that we learned from our parents because they practiced what they preached. They worked hard. They understood the value of hard work. And we each have formed and nurtured a close-knit community of family and friends that we genuinely love. So me personally, my childhood taught me the fine art of patience and persistence in appreciating everything that I have. And still to this day, I don't take anything for granted. And that is a priceless gift itself. Now, conversely, I have seen lots of kids who literally seem to have it all when it came to growing up, and they sort of turned out to be total ratbags. I mean, they had more freedom than Madonna would know what to do with. They got handed the keys to their first car the day they turned 16. They lived in the most magnificent mansions, and they had the coolest, nicest parents let them do whatever they wanted to do. They lived that dream life of, let's just think about Ferris Bueller's day off. Ferris could do whatever he wanted, and yet, For those kids, sometimes something along the line went wrong. 
Now, there are plenty of good parents out there who generously gave their kids the moon and the stars and everything that they could have wished for. They were later left scratching their heads, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but sometimes it really is true. And this has forced me to question the hypothesis. If bad parenting, I'm going to put that in inverted commas, supposedly equals not the best kids, and good parenting, you know, again, inverted commas, giving your child everything they want, equals good kids, how come it sometimes goes the other way? What if you aren't a so-called bad parent simply because you want to go back to work rather than be a stay-at-home parent? You sometimes want to let your kids watch back-to-back movies when you're sick in bed with the flu, or you make your kids do their own homework rather than giving them all the answers, or you want to say no to another play date when you're not in the mood to have your house destroyed again. And what if you're not a bad parent because you have a cleaner, because cleaning might be your least favorite chore to do? Or you want to have a nanny because sometimes your own kids drive you crazy and you need a break. You just wouldn't survive without one. And sometimes you might want to give your kids chicken nuggets and chips for dinner when you're not in the mood to cook something else. Or perhaps you want to sneak into bed at night and whisper to your husband's story about how your kids annoy you. And you might actually even mutter a swear word under your breath. You occasionally let it slip and you say it out loud. Or maybe you even get excited with your kid's bedtime when it arrives purely because it means you finally get to have some peace and quiet and time for yourself. What if everything that we think is so terrible isn't so terrible after all? I mean, what if you could technically be a good parent, even when society deems some of your parenting behaviors to be less than desirable? Now, as you're reading the following, you know, good versus bad parenting examples, I just want to note, neither of these are actually good or bad. They've simply been labeled as such because that's what society currently deems that behavior to be. When my parents were young and growing up and raising us, good parenting was a particular way, a different way from the way that we care parent our kids now, nowadays. 10 years ago, something else would have been completely different. And in another decade, they're raving and condemning completely different parenting styles. It changes with every generation. So where does that leave us? Well, we are free now as parents to do whatever we wish, and this episode is simply examining some of the pitfalls of what is currently held in high esteem by society today. It also highlights how some of the frowned upon parenting behaviors might not actually be so bad. Can you believe it? Instead, they might actually potentially contain some positive attributes that are often overlooked by parents. In the end, it really doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about your parenting. You're an adult, you get to decide what's best for you and your family. So I'm definitely not preaching that we have to do things one particular way. If something is working for your family, keep on doing it. And if something isn't working for your family, you get to change. You don't have to keep on doing something that you're not comfortable doing. It really is as simple as the fact that you get to decide what's best for your family. And it's your job to make a decision based on your own gut feelings and just trust your own judgment, really. You ultimately get to decide what works best for you and your kids, and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. At the very least, just try to remember this advice. If your goal is to simply raise children who don't have to recover from their childhood, or maybe just to feel loved in whatever way you demonstrate this love to me, and that might mean being stricter and assuming that boundaries can actually help your kids become better members of our society, or you might choose to be more lax because that's the way you want to do it. In the end, it's all up to you. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about three examples that are sometimes considered to be not the best parenting style right now, but are they really so bad? So this is what we're going to have a conversation about right now. Okay, here's parenting approach number one. Good parents, inverted commas, remember, 
give their kids everything they want, whereas bad parents, inverted commas, give their kids everything they need. So let's start with looking at these so-called good parents. So these good parents have the best of intentions when they opt to give their kids everything they want. They sincerely believe that they're showing love by giving their kids a life that they never have to go without anything. These good parents may not necessarily be wealthy. Some might be comfortable and have the means to indulge in their kids in this way, and others might be struggling to make ends meet, but they still want to parent in this way. Maybe they had this childhood where they were deprived of certain luxuries, and maybe they feel as if they suffered as a result of missing out, and they vowed not to repeat the same mistakes with their own kids. I wish you could see me every time I did the inverted commas thing. Every time I say good and bad, that's with inverted commas. These parents might be falling behind on their mortgage repayments or even racking up massive credit card debt in order to keep up with this unrealistic lifestyle. But either way, the result is the same. These kids are so-called good parents, whether they're rich or poorer, are in a privileged position to not know what it's like to go without. And let's be honest, these kids aren't complaining. Instead, it's really easy to become accustomed to this more lavish lifestyle where everything you want is instantly granted to you. And that term, delayed gratification, well, it doesn't exist for these kids, but they're hopefully happy. I mean, why wouldn't they be? They have everything they want, right? Now we're going to talk about the so-called bad parents who don't follow this way of parenting. These so-called bad parents know that there's nothing wrong with giving their kids a break and sometimes going without the non-essentials. These kids probably have what they need in terms of love and food and water and shelter and clothing and education, family and friends and so on but they aren't spoiled with all the extra stuff that isn't really crucial, like maybe a third pair of sneakers or another toy when their bedroom's already filled with enough playthings that haven't yet been touched. In a nutshell, these kids have everything they need, but not every material possession that they want. And this is a choice that these sort of parents have made. Even if they have the money to spoil their kids, they just opt not to do so. So let's talk about why being a good parent in this example, inverted commas, may sometimes backfire. If you give your kids everything that they want, they risk growing up with these expectations that they can and should have it all now without working for it. Because guess what? The truth is what you want isn't always a need. So technically speaking, a need is something that is of paramount importance to your survival. It sustains your life and livelihood. A want, on the other hand, is something that you simply desire to have that you may or may not be able to obtain. So we tend to be lax with this definition in the modern world and our needs usually, of course, include things like food and rent and utilities and your phone and insurance, also medicine, toiletries, clothing. We see those as needs. Wants, on the other hand, include new clothes, even though you have plenty of clothes in your cupboard, or home decor or gifts or eating out, fast food. Maybe it's more books and music and movies and extra supplies for your home and school when you already have enough in stock. So kids who are solely fixated on acquiring material possessions may eventually find that it's never, ever enough. And do you know why that's the case? Because they're searching for happiness and fulfillment in all the wrong places. At humans, we will always want more. And sometimes we allow the things that we want to make us forget what we already have. We sometimes risk forgetting to be grateful for the things that we already have when we have this attitude of more, more, more. Kids who are also given everything they want sometimes also have an issue with delayed gratification. That's the ability to resist immediate temptation in order to receive a more enduring reward later on. And so why is this important for success later on in life? Because instant gratification is usually short-lived. 
and sometimes has regret, it just blinds you from the true long-term potential when it comes to savings and goals. The truth is kids need to be willing to delay short-term gratification for their long-term goals. This is a life skill we all need to learn in life. Ultimately, happiness is what happens on the inside of you. It's the thoughts and feelings you have in your head, not the outside material possessions you possess in your bedroom. It isn't found in another toy or gadget or material possession. When you're content with what you have right now, that makes you rich. And if you're not content with what you have right now, that makes you poor because it's a mindset thing. It's as simple as that and something that every child will benefit from learning, learning to appreciate the things that they have right now. So let's take a look at another parenting approach, okay? And this is where good parents want to do everything for their kids and do it all now, whereas so-called bad parents realize that there is a time and place for everything. So let's start with a so-called good parenting style. Now, the worst thing that could happen to a so-called good parent in this example is that they open up their diary and they find that their week is completely empty, okay? They're the ones that are obsessed with having busy schedules and keeping their kids so active. These kids don't just do one activity per week. You know, that's not going to be enough to help their kids reach their potential. Their diary might look like this instead. You know, on Monday, it's dancing. On Tuesday, it's piano. Wednesday, it's gymnastics. Thursday, it's swimming. Friday, it's a little break because, you know, Susie's going to go back to dancing tomorrow all day. And even if their kids are feeling tired and overscheduled with little time for homework, these so-called good parents, or they really sincerely think they're doing the best for their child, they only really feel satisfied when in their eyes their schedules are busy because they think it's better to do something rather than nothing. Let's take a look at the other approach, okay? Sometimes considered to be bad parenting, okay? Not for everyone though. It's almost shocking how empty their diaries are of these so-called bad parents in comparison. For some reason, they don't feel lazy or too laid back at all. Instead, there's always something to do and they know that if they try to do it all and more, something would snap and it would probably be their sanity. So consequently, they don't always let their kids do every activity they want to do. Sometimes their kids hear, nope, sorry, we don't have time, we don't have the money, be it too hard to get you there. These parents, however, don't get upset or feel guilty about the fact that sometimes their kids have to miss out. They don't mind if their kids say they're bored because they know that boredom isn't such a terrible thing. Instead, this extra free leisure time gives their children a time to rest and recover and relax. These kids of these so-called bad parents have the freedom to play in the street with their friends. They're encouraged to go bike riding and roller skating just like I used to do when I was a kid. They're given boxes and blankets to build forts with and there isn't a panic attack if they make mud cakes out of dirt. These so-called bad parents know there's nothing wrong with encouraging their kids to use their own imaginations. They don't think it's mean or selfish at all to expect their children to sometimes fill up their own free time, that they have to do it themselves. They encourage their kids to go outside and simply be kids. They can have some activities, but they don't have all of them. They believe there is a time and place for everything and that having an overscheduled diary is a terrible trade-off for a more chaotic life. So let's have a look at why sometimes being this so-called good parent where they are overscheduling their diaries to keep their kids busy sometimes might backfire. So when you become an adult after you've had a life like this, you learn that sometimes your mind and body actually really do need a break. If you have lived a life that is in constant motion, sometimes it's difficult to get used to this idea of stillness and free time and just having a quiet break with yourself. 
you actually get uncomfortable when you're doing nothing productive. You don't enjoy that alone time or being on your own or getting used to your own company because you're not used to being alone. When your kids are overly scheduled, sometimes they begin to feel like their worth is validated by doing those extra activities because that's what they've always been applauded for in life. But guess what? There are amazing kids with great potential who only have one activity. They don't have to have five activities. These kids have their whole lives stretched out ahead of them and they've got plenty of time to live productive, busy lives, but they've only got a short time to be kids. And I think it's also important to understand that being bored is okay. I really feel like I need to make it clear that it's okay for your kids to sometimes be bored. And honestly, it is. What is so wrong about doing nothing? For me, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Parents are so quick to save their kids from a little bit of boredom without realizing that being bored is good for your brain. Whenever my kids say they're bored, you know, something that doesn't happen too often anymore because they know exactly what my response is going to be, I always say, look, my friend, only boring people get bored. I mean, come on, kids. Use your imagination. Daydream. Encourage your kids to explore. Let them be alone with their thoughts for a while. Your kids do not need to be occupied by something 100% of the time. It isn't realistic or healthy for someone to expect that every single second of every single day will be filled with some exciting activity or that they need to be entertained. In fact, this need to constantly do something is like a disease or an addiction that our kids need to be weaned off from. Some alone time is totally fine. I think it's actually great. This is when the greatest ideas are born. Kids need downtime, a chance for their minds to wander and drift away. They honestly do not need an activity or an electronic device to be thrust into their face at the first sign of a little boredom. Let them be bored. How will they ever learn to cope with downtime if they're not given the opportunity to do so? Let them work it out themselves for a change. Encourage your kids to rest and use their imagination and dream big when they're little instead of filling up every moment of their day. And that's how they're going to grow up to be big dreamers when they're older. And you obviously want them to dream big, don't you? I promise you, the world will not fall apart if your kids need to think for themselves for a change. They're most likely going to become stronger and more resilient as a result of that. And how could that ever be a bad thing? So now for the final parenting style where lots of parents differ between thinking that one way is the best way, okay? So these so-called good parents think that helicopter parenting is a competitive sport, And then you have the other side of the fence where you have these so-called bad parents who prefer just to give their kids some breathing room. So let's first have a look at this so-called good parenting style. So it's safe to say that you've probably heard of the term helicopter parenting. So helicopter parenting is a name specifically because they're like helicopters. They like to hover overhead, overseeing every aspect of their child's life constantly. Now in their heart of heart, these so-called good parents They think that this behavior means that they're watching out for their kids. They genuinely think they're doing a really good thing and they're watching over their kids all of the time. And I mean, it's pretty hard for your kids to do anything wrong when they, you know, you are constantly breathing down their necks, right? So these so-called helicopter parents pride themselves on being able to catch problems before they escalate. They like to interject before their kids can even get hurt or insulted or before they can fail or get frustrated or do anything that arises in negative emotion. Now, some of you guys might think this actually sounds like a pretty picture, right? These kids can't get up to any trouble. They will never experience negative emotion. They're being stopped before they can get themselves into trouble. These kids have been monitored and watched over every single moment of the day. But guess what? To me, that sounds a little bit like being a prisoner in a jail, right? Okay, there's nothing wrong with experiencing a bit of a negative emotion in your life. 
We need to actually experience negative emotions so that we learn how to process it. So let's have a look at these so-called bad parents who obviously do not helicopter parent. So in case it isn't obvious, the truth remains that even though helicopter parents are very hands-on, this isn't really a parenting style that breeds or encourages independence in your kids. Now, in order to understand why the alternative parenting style, which is just about giving your kids some breathing room, may be useful, it's important to understand why independence is so vital to us in life. So let me start by bringing your attention to these following three quotes. It is not what you do for your children, but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. And that was said by Anne Landers. And then we have Benjamin Franklin, who said, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. And one final quote, it is a responsibility of every parent to ensure that children prepared for the adult world and that they throw open the doors at 18 and can walk into their lives with confidence and enthusiasm. So these so-called bad parents know that the kids grow up best when they're given some breathing room to try things out for themselves every now and then. These so-called bad parents who don't helicopter parent reflect on their own life, just like I did earlier in this episode, and realize that the times that they learned the most were usually the times when they failed and picked themselves up again. Or maybe it was the times that they had the freedom to try things out for themselves, or when they had the opportunity to succeed on their own terms without any help or adult nearby who was quick to take the credit. So here's why sometimes this good parenting approach of being a helicopter parent might backfire. So here's the truth. The more risk that you allow your children to take in life, now safe risk, I'm not talking about anything crazy and dangerous, but just normal healthy risk, the better that they'll be able to learn how to take care of themselves. Do not think that you are doing them any favors when you make their life too easy. If helicopter parenting sounds like a compliment, I want you to consider that it might not actually be one. This constant attention and stalker-like behavior actually stifles your child's independence. And helicopter parents ultimately deprive their children of learning natural consequences of their behavior. You can't learn a natural consequence if you're not allowed to have that consequence. So ask yourself these five questions now to work out if you might have a tendency to be a bit of a helicopter parent yourself. Do you try to fight all of your kids' battles for them? Do you make all of the decisions for your children? Are you obsessed with their schedule? And are you constantly checking in on your child? And do you try to make their life as easy as possible? Now, obviously, it's normal to be more watchful of your kids when they're younger, of course, but as they get older, you might just need to loosen your grip a little bit. So just step back and start to give your kids some of the freedom that they need. It's okay if your kids sometimes fall down and they make mistakes. That's the only way that they'll learn, by learning to get back up again and do it themselves. So I actually have 10 tips that will encourage more independence in your kids. And it goes like this. Number one, if your kids are old enough to do it on their own, let them do it on their own. Number two, don't worry if it isn't done perfectly. They're in the process of learning. So some mistakes are to be expected. You've surely made mistakes yourself. And it's the same for your kids. They need to make some mistakes. Number three, stop spoon feeding your child or telling them what they need to choose. They need to learn to make some of their own decisions. Number four is this. Stop rescuing them if they don't need rescuing. At some point, they need to suffer a little bit the natural consequences of their actions and work out how to save themselves. Number five is encourage them to solve their own problems. Number six is give them some more responsibility. This can be with babysitting or household chores, dog walking, even some grocery shopping if they're teens. 
give them age-appropriate responsibilities. Number seven is consider letting them organize their own schedule. You don't have to overschedule them if they don't even want that to be the case. Number eight is making sure they're responsible for their own homework and assignments. That is so important. Let them take ownership for the things that they are responsible for. And homework is one of them. You had your turn in high school and primary school. You don't have to worry about homework anymore. That's their job to do, just like it was the case for you when you were younger. And number nine is allow them to help with meal planning and cooking. That is how they're going to learn. Or if you teach them, you need to teach them. Don't just assume that they're suddenly going to become an adult and they're going to know how to cook if you've never shown them the way. Help them out in this area if you can. And number 10 is encourage them to find ways to entertain themselves. It's not your job to keep them entertained. It's theirs to come up with ideas themselves. So just for today, I want you to find a way that you can foster more independence in your child and just take a note of the things that I mentioned and see if there's any ideas there that you can implement, you know, according to their own respective ages. So in this episode, I've taken the opportunity to reflect back on my own childhood and the way my parents parented me. And even though their parenting methods right now wouldn't be considered to be perfect, far from it, I still feel like they did a really good job in raising really respectful, hardworking human beings. So I applaud them for that. I also took the opportunity to evaluate three different parenting styles. So you have the parents who give their kids everything they want versus giving their kids everything they need. And then we looked at the second parenting style where the good parents, inverted commas, were the ones that overschedule their kids and wanted to do it all now versus the bad parenting style, inverted commas again, who realized that there just could be a time and place for everything. And then we had the final parenting style, which was helicopter parenting versus just giving your kids some breathing room. Now, this episode was just about encouraging to question the different parenting styles that people say that's the best way when technically it might not be that way. I mean, if you've gone through a childhood and it's completely different from the way that you're raising your kids and that society now would deem that not to be the best methods, but you still turned out okay, you've probably discovered that there's more than one way to raise a kid. There's lots of different ways and they could all be different. And some people might think that they're not the best and others would think that they were fantastic. So you really need to trust your own intuition. And if you're acting from love and kindness, you probably can have faith that you're doing a really, really good job. And before we end this episode, I just want to remind you that there really is no good or bad parenting approach. I know I use these terms a lot in this episode and I was using a lot of inverted commas, but I just want to remove those labels right now once and for all. They were sort of fun to use in this episode, like to contrast the two different approaches. But the truth is they don't don't serve a purpose in the outside world. Instead, you are a perfectly imperfect parent raising the beautiful, perfectly imperfect children that you've been blessed to have. And let's face it, We would not be the same without our kids and our kids would not be the same without us. We were meant to be with the kids that we have. So why not make the very best of this blessing? Together or apart, we're always going to be intertwined together in each other's hearts. And the truth is, when you sincerely want the best for your kids and you sincerely try your hardest, even when it's not perfect, that makes you a fabulous parent. Not just a good one, but the best. Honestly, you are doing the best job. We honestly are, so we have to give ourselves a pat on the back and give ourselves credit when credit is due. Our kids are having the exact experience that they were born to have with us as parents. We were born to be their parents. And even if they have a few struggles or they don't always like your parenting style, you might discover that later on in life, when they reflect back on it, they will discover that it was exactly what they needed. Just like I did reflecting back on my childhood, I did not ever think that it was perfect, far from it. 
but I've grown up now to understand and appreciate its value. I understand now that my parents were simply doing the best that they could with the tools and resources they had at their disposal and the same will be the case for your kids. When you tell them that you love them and when you tell them that you're sincerely trying your best, they will appreciate that. Maybe not now, but definitely sometime in the future. So as always, thank you so, so much for being with me here on this podcast. I always appreciate you guys and I love having you here with me. And until next time, take care. I can't wait to catch up with you again. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out. And if you really loved it, you can show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. For more inspiration, head over to dreambigmyfriend.com where you will find even more content for all the dreamers out there. Until next time, dream big, my friend.